0: To EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy. In this series of podcasts, I'll be talking to educational professionals across the Manchester College, whose delivery through the use of EdTech tools support the development of our students, as well as those I'll be talking to externals who are keen in providing EdTech to support our students, and externals who are passionate about using EdTech in their delivery. So. Why do a podcaster here, hear you ask? Well, I've been an educator for eight years in various roles. I began my journey as a curriculum teacher within hairdressing. I then moved over to a functional skills English teacher um, where I became ILT champion as they were called back in the day and then I moved to an English and maths leader and the benefit of using technologies in my teaching practice throughout all those stages is undeniable. Moreover, I believe that others are also working in isolation to enhance and enable the learning of our students. As such, I hope that this platform will allow willing teachers, leaders, support staff, well, anyone involved in the journey of our students to share what they're doing with others across the Manchester College, Greater Manchester and beyond. So, consider this, can we use EdTech to benefit all learners? I mean, my aim is not to eradicate conventional teaching tools, but to invest more into the potential of EdTech. EdTech should be part of teaching, learning and assessment, and students should be gaining more practical IT skills to support them in their future. Our future, the country's future. The use of EdTech can make lessons more interesting, I think. It, It can make them more realistic, contextualized, inclusive, adaptable. I mean, I think it could make them easier in the long run for educators and, importantly, for our students. So, in my personal opinion, the emergency implementation of EdTech tools in delivering online sessions after COVID-19 should be maximised. Let's not go back, let's capitalise on this momentum and try out any of the tools that have been shared by practitioners on this podcast, And if you, as a listener, are doing something that you would like to share, do get in touch. My Twitter handle is at Stacey and Foy. I welcome you reaching out. In this fifth edition, Katie and Lily talk about the work that they have been doing with their higher education and further education students. They are my first guests who have referred to their split classroom. The teacher has students across two classrooms, but the teacher physically delivers in one classroom and virtually in another. Such an interesting concept. In addition to this, They go on to talk about the digital poverty of our students. This began from the beginning of the remote sessions with students having no access to tools such as microphones to interact verbally with their teachers. They moved on to how they have had to work with a mixture of software as opposed to the industry recommended to overcome digital poverty, which I think is insightful. During the course of her interview, Katie and Lily spoke about free or alternative software to Adobe Suite or software that was comparable. Lily mentioned Oracle, which is a web-based software, and Katie mentioned After Effects, which is similar to Adobe, and an up-and-coming browser-based software called Fable that's f-a-b-l-e. Are you a computer science or media teacher? Have a go at the edtech software that Katie and Lily mentioned and connect with us on Twitter to let us know your thoughts. My Twitter handle again is at Foy, and you can find Katie in my list of followers and I'm also following her, so don't be shy. Okay. I think it's time to let you listen. Let's go!
1: And tech with stay
0: Hey, hi all and welcome to another episode of our podcast. This morning I am speaking to two of our teachers who work across both FE and HE in the Manchester College. We have Katie and Lily. Welcome ladies. Katie, can you just tell me what is your role? What's your department? What's your subject specialism?
1: Hi, I'm Katie Rushton and I teach um, Creative Media Production um, at both Manchester College and UCN Manchester and my specialism is animation um, and I also teach um, sort of graphic and digital design as well.
0: Brilliant, thank you. And Lily, can you, can you tell us what's your role, your department and your specialism?
2: Hi, my name is Lily Padenga. I'm a tutor with the Department of Computing. I teach computing and I do a bit of media also. My specialism is mainly in databases. I do also do website development and software de- software development. So my subjects, are, because I've covered, I've done computer science. So yes, I could do quite a number of different subjects there, but mainly I enjoy databases and web development.
0: Brilliant. And you're both, um, You also work for USEN as well as TMC?
2: Yes, USEN and TMC.
0: Brilliant. Okay, so um, in terms of your delivering model then, Lily, so because you've been working across both FE and HE, have you been using a similar delivery model for both or and when i say delivery model i'm thinking about whether you've had a blended delivery whether it's been hybrid whether it's just all been placed online can you just talk to me a little bit of how how you've been teaching your students this year across both fe and he oh thank you um I've been
2: using mainly online for the FE because we've not been able to get access to some of our students at the seminary. So if you know about the seminary, this is a place where we've got girls who are at a boarding place. So they are at a finishing school. So we're not able to go and access that place. So it has been basically online for them. However, for the HE, we've had a mixture, we've had blended, there was a period before the lockdown where we could actually go into, onto campus and face-to-face, do face-to-face delivery. However, since this second or third lockdown, we have now been just been doing online delivery.
0: Okay, so actually you've been through a bit of both then. So HE's done blended and you're finishing schools doing online. Katie, can I just come over to you and just see what what exactly have you been doing with your animation students across now, just to be clear, are you teaching animation within H E as well as F E or is that just for H E?
1: Or is it just for F E I teach animation, just animation in HE, and then in FE, I'm teaching a a mixture of animation and graphic design. And we've been using every, probably every delivery model you can think of in FE. We started out very much um, with a majority of the hours online. Um, So the students were attending college one day every two weeks. And then as sort of things progressed through the term, we increased the number of um, face-to-face hours um, to one day every week which was um, very much welcomed by both us and the students um, and then a mixture of online only and split classroom delivery where part, half the group were in the classroom with me and the other half were at home so that they were able to sort of alternate every week and um, to basically allow us to maintain social distancing in the classroom so that we didn't have all the students in the room at the same yeah. Time.
0: that's really interesting so how did you um find that and how did the students find that because I don't think I've spoke to anyone who's done the split classroom delivery as yet can you just tell us a little bit about that please Katie and um, how th-
1: was it I think because we were we started off fully online on the days that I did split classroom and then moved into split classroom the students kind of were quite um up for it because they were going from being online totally to having the opportunity to be in class every other week we didn't get chance uh-huh. to do that many lessons before we broke up for Christmas and then subsequently went into lockdown. So we, we didn't do loads of the split classroom um, um, situation, but I think students were very appreciative of, of it because it, they'd gone from being wholly online to being in class. Um, it's and It's a strange one as a teacher to sort of have mm-hmm. half your learners in class and half at home, mm-hmm. um, and it has a different feel to when you've got them all online because obviously they're not in the same boat and you have to be very mindful of not focusing your attention on sort of one half of the group. Um, absolutely The students really liked it. and the shoots that are online were on the big screen. so i I made my laptop. <laughs> screen so they, they could sort of see each other and then I had turned my camera around so that the ones who were at home could see the people in class so they kind of still felt like they were in the same class and they were kind of like interacting with each other via. yeah
0: that. that's really clever okay um, so
1: yeah it's weird it's definitely no not something you would train for on your bgce but um we really managed to make it work um and yeah, we'll be going back into using that model again um from sort of the 8th of march so it'd be kind of interesting to see as we get into a bit more how it, how it kind of progresses really
0: thank you okay and lily have you have you used the split classroom delivery by any chance
2: no i've not had a chance to use those but i also had some challenges with the seminary
0: mm-hmm. because it
2: is quite different So although the learning was online, but these are students who are in a classroom. Ah. So it's different from online where people are online from home. So they Mm -hmm. sit in a classroom where they would have expected a tutor to be there in front of them. So they're using Mm -hmm. computers in a classroom. Mm -hmm. However, unfortunately, we've not been able to put cameras in that particular classroom. So I was teaching these girls and I've never seen them. (laughs) (laughs) You see, I don't have a mental picture of these girls that I'm talking to. I have the voices. Now I know very well their voices. Yeah. So I know who's talking. I know this. But I've never had a chance to just picture who who is that person. Only recently when they've started taking pictures for their ID badges, then yes, I have a bit of a an image in my mind to say okay that's what the student looks like
0: and that's just so different isn't it to to everyday teaching we used to looking at them and seeing their facial expressions and you know that that is a challenge in itself how how have you overcome that lily we just had
2: to go with it so i would make sure that they can see me at least so that they have a picture of what i look like and who i am and so on Mm -hmm. and at least we had the microphones, because at the beginning, I think the first week, we actually started only with a chat without the microphones. Yeah, so that was quite challenging. And then thanks to our managers, they managed to put things into place quickly. And then we had to make that turnaround where we could actually now talk to the girls and engage both verbally and also through the chats.
0: Wonderful. I mean, th- 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 for both of you, there has actually been so much to overcome in the short space of time. And we're not even out of this academic year yet. No. <laughs> Let's see what the 8th of March brings, hey? Um, so thinking about, though, back to September 2020, 2020, when we started with these new academic students, did you have a priority? initially and Katie I think it was you who mentioned it you know when we went back into lockdown um after Christmas did it shift so from teaching from September to December and then from January to now what are the differences that either of you have experienced let's let's start with Katie please
1: I think my priority in September with the new students, so the the, the brand new first years, because I teach um, level three in FE, um, was to really try and build those relationships early on in the face-to-face lessons. Mm -hmm. Um, I very much rely on my relationships with my students, and that's the kind of the the way I operate as a teacher. Um, And with my second years, I'd already taught them last year for, you know, the first sort of up until and matched two terms and got to know them. Some of them were internal progresses from level two, so I knew them quite well. Um, so I kind of already had that existing relationship to kind of fall back on and bounce off, whereas with the new students, I'm very much mindful of the fact I wanted to get to know them a lot faster than I would normally, because you normally have that time to settle in and figure out their quirks, they figure out your quirks. And um, So it was to really take advantage of those face-to-face lessons to build a relationship um and um and for my subject particularly and um, so sort of fast track their skills because a lot of our students don't have access to sort of specialist software or computers in their home environment and it was very much trying to maximize that time um when they're in the classroom to be able to basically get them animating or, or designing graphics so that we could then use the online sessions or the split classroom sessions to um to sort of do the surrounding um sort of planning and research skills and kind of had to switch around the way I would teach the the processes of the course because in media you normally start with sort of analysing your brief and researching and then you build into pre-production and then you make your product Uh and then you evaluate at the end whereas everything kind of had to run simultaneously side by side and which is not the natural way you would normally sort of teach and deliver that subject you couldn't you didn't want to be sat in the classroom doing mind mapping and research which could be done at home when you've got sort of animation software in front of you so I really had to kind of shift around the way I would the process I would use for delivering the, the subject and yeah. um, yeah. so yeah
0: That makes sense. So it's almost like you were um, initially, you you built the relationship with your students and then you moved on to what I'm hearing is really the practical side of your delivery because in the classroom, then they had the software and then once you went to um, working from home, you, you, you
1: focused more mainly on the theory side. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think also I've had to learn a lot of new software as well. And um, right. prior to prior to um, COVID happening, we would very much teach the Adobe suite, which is obviously the industry standard for our subject. Um, and because students don't have access to Adobe when we were in class, we did it. But particularly from Christmas, I've had to do a lot of finding alternatives um that. Would the students could access, but also that we're still giving them those foundational skills so that when we are back in the classroom or when the students move on to university or industry, that the the the, the industry standard software isn't completely alien to them. So you're kind oh. of constantly having to teach them in the free or online version of alternative to an industry piece of software, but also explaining how those skills would translate back into the more industry-standard software when. The students then do have access to it again. So it's been a juggle, juggling a lot things it
0: sounds like it but you know what katie what i'm hearing there is actually you're teaching them transferable skills yeah you know and and that that will keep them going for throughout their lifetime you know knowing that things can be done in different ways and come to the same conclusion really and with the technology changes so if they learn how to adapt that's that's absolutely not a bad thing what about um yourself, Lily, because Katie, I'll come back to your your HE side because I would like to hear what you've been doing with them, but I'm just going to bring Lily in. So what have you been doing, Lily, with regards to your HE students um, from the beginning of September and has that shifted from January? Please tell me.
2: Yes, thank you. I think it's very similar to what Katie has just been saying in terms of prioritising access to resources so if you're doing computing, you find not everyone is going to have access to equal resources. If they were on campus, they would have had access to computers with the same type of software. Okay. So I also made a priority to make sure that we can find software that they could use from home, which was easy without licensing issues and so on. So for my classes at hey, hey, in HAYUSEN, we okay. used Oracle, which was web-based, so it's a browser va- version that you can use. So everyone will have access to that. So you don't have any issues with someone will say, oh, I don't have access to that particular software. So we use that instead of using the more traditional type of software that people would be using if they go into employment. So we did those things. And also the other priorities we did was only to find which sessions were very important for them to actually be meeting face to face. So we had I think only 2 or 3 sessions when we were on campus and then the rest of it was online. So we had to change in terms of the order of delivery. What can I all deliver now? How can they meet and know each other first and then go online fully? So that's what is the priority for me for the HN for the HE students.
0: Brilliant. And did that did that change after January? Because you know they would have gotten used to being able to utilise Oracle, and you know, I'd like to think their relationships would have developed um, in that time period. So did 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 your did, was there a shift? And the reason why I've chosen January, just to be clear, is is literally when we were told that um, there weren't going to be any exams for BTEC. So has has the shift in terms of maybe identifying um, their skills and being able to, to 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 track and and contain or get evidence of their capability has the focus shifted to that by any chance, Lily?
2: Um, so for <coughs> excuse me for for the for the HE groups, what we have done is in January we continued online, so we've not. We had been planning to say, okay, we could be going back on campus and so on. But yes, we just decided we're going to go online and they continued working online and the assessment, because these are higher national certificates that I'm talking about, Mm. not the foundation degrees. So the foundation degrees for MMU, which we do, they they've got a different delivery method that we use. But here I'm talking mainly about the Higher National certificates and higher national diplomas, which are yes. BTEC courses. They are going through the assessments. So they have done the assessments in December and January. We did get quite a number of mitigating circumstances because some of the students were struggling in terms of working from home, not because of the content itself or the delivery, but just the environment being at home mm-hmm. on their own. So the only things that changed really was that how we were delivering. However, we're saying they managed to do the work and they've they've actually submitted all the work and I've just been in a board today. They have achieved, all of them, they've managed to achieve their first semester units.
0: Oh, fantastic. That's such brilliant news. Have you, um, Kate, have you taken any specific approaches to delivering to your HE students?
1: Um, with my HE students, it's been a bit trickier because obviously the expectation in HE is that they, they are going to be using sort of that industry standard software. So we have done similar to Effie in that I've, you know, given them sort of free alternatives and things like that. Um, but obviously they're, they're sort of preparing themselves much more in, in, in the way for um, moving into industry. So it's been a little bit trickier. One of the um, things I managed to do through um sort of doing a bit of research i mean quite a lot of like online communities with um sort of animation groups and things and i put out with a bit of a an sos really to sort of say i'm in this situation i've got students that that can't don't have access to equipment and what kind of would people recommend and and one person Mm -hmm. um directed me towards a um an upcoming piece of animation software that's currently in beta um, so it's a browser-based animation software. Um, it's similar to After Effects, which is the main one we use for animating um, from Adobe. Um, but it's all browser-based. Um, so I, I sort of contacted the company and sort of explained the situation. Um, and they're based in New York, but it turned out that the CEO is actually a Yorkshireman. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> he was sort of like, we really, really want to engage with education. So we, you send us. all your students um, email addresses and we'll sign them all up to be beta testers Um, and we did both FE and HE, we signed up the students um, and um, because it's in beta there aren't loads and loads of tutorials and things out there for the students to follow but they've got a very active um, slack channel that they're using to sort of communicate about bugs and things so I signed all my students up to be beta testers for this piece of software basically Um, and so they've been using that to animate with. to allow them to sort of continue using that that higher level um software but in an alternative way to what we'd normally use and obviously when this piece of software does eventually go live it will from what i'm seeing the buzz around it is it's going to be very much part of sort of a motion designer and animators toolkit so um our students have kind of got a foot in the door in a new yeah. piece of software before it gets rolled out into sort of industry in general so that's been really interesting um, and similarly with what Lily said is I, I teach HNCH and D in HE so the assessment for that is sort of carrying on as normal but the students have taken advantage of our mitigating circumstances process quite a lot so they've bought themselves a little bit more time to be able to work on um, projects in software that they're having to learn from scratch it's not software we've, we've taught previously so they've had to sort of Um, find workarounds and things. So uh, we have a very flexible mitigating circumstances process in light of COVID particularly that has allowed students to buy themselves some extra time which has been really reassuring for the learners that if their personal technological circumstances mean that they are going to need longer on a project we have that safety net for them but they don't all have to apply for it. So the ones that have got software at home um, can you know hit the original deadline the ones that haven't have been able to buy themselves extra time and um, so the built-in flexibility of, of our course has been really helpful with that as well
0: yeah and do you know what that that's exactly what they need we need to be able to support them in the different circumstances that they might find themselves but that's so exciting connecting with our very own
1: Yorkshireman who's uh you know progressed to they're called fable they're a really good company fable. brilliantly supportive yeah really supportive and yeah. um, just sort of send him an email with going can you have these students and um they've got like a wait list you can sign up to um so basically he said anyone with a tmc or you send email he's been keeping an eye on the wait list and sort of signing them up straight away um both staff and students so it's been it's been really nice to have sort of a, a software company that want to give back and support sort of the next next generation of creatives that's been really nice to see absolutely and
0: that's what we need to hear for greater manchester i'm so proud look at him in new york as well <laughs> um <laughs> I don't even know the guy but you know that's a that's a really good accomplishment and you know katie i'm just wondering then because you you've you've really sort of like stepped out of the box there and, and managed to connect with uh, like you say an up-and-coming company do you think that these are the different
1: approaches that you will continue to try or have you always done this um I've kind of always always sort of kept an eye on what's been happening in terms of um sort of practices and processes I mean animation as a, as a, as a delivery as a, as, a, as a medium is always very much sort of tapped into new technologies obviously it's very much digital now but um it has a whole very rich history of traditional um, methods and techniques and, and anyone who works in animation and is passionate about the subject taps into mm-hmm. sort of the, the the more traditional techniques um, and it's very much a, a medium where an individual person can find their own style, their own voice, their own um, techniques that they want to use. So um, I think we we teach certain practices because that's what industry do But there's always been a place for um, students finding their own own way of doing things. Um, And you've got to try and strike that balance between taking students out of their comfort zone and teaching them new things, but letting them use what is accessible to them. So previously, I probably would have pushed students to use um, the more industry standard software more because I want them to learn those new skills. And I don't want them to just use the little apps and things they've been playing with at school. Um, but I have probably become a little bit more open minded myself to what methods I would let students submit their work in just because from a from a, a necessity point of view, if a student said to me, I haven't got Photoshop and After Effects at home, but I use this free drawing app. Can I use this? Mm-hmm. I've got, of course you can. Maybe you can teach me how to use it. Um, Absolutely. And the students have been really good actually sharing with each other Um mm-hmm. sort of even on chat and things like that in, in lessons as as I'm delivering they'll sort of say you could try this instead or if you can't use that why don't you look at this and sharing links with each other and things so that's been been nice to see and and the students on my course using softwares and, and things that I have no idea how to use um, <laughs> because they've, they've had to find their way of, of being able to make the production elements of the course so yeah I think it's probably taught me to be a bit more open-minded to be honest with you and um, if I can take one takeaway from sort of that situation yeah yeah.
0: and it sounds like they've actually built their own community of practice, their own online community within your classroom.
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah. Lily, can I just um check you back in there at the moment? So I just want to turn our attention to we've got SEN learners across both HE and FE and I just wondered what what have you been doing or how have you been able to um support them it's really difficult you know for many teachers to be able to support all students online I think but specifically I want to focus on our SEN students if we can give some advice yeah so I have yeah I do have
2: some SEN students for HE and FE and what we've been doing I think for myself what I've been doing on my classes I would have one more one-to-ones with the students instead of having a one-to-one in terms of the progression it was one-to-one in terms of helping them with the work itself to say where are you how are you doing the work what are the problems or what are the challenges and doing that within the class session itself but I would not pick out in terms of saying, OK, this particular student, I would just offer that to all the students and uh-huh. then just go through the list and then just make sure that we can actually discuss the work itself. Because some of the students are not able to express themselves to say how they're struggling in front of everyone. So I yes. would take them in a breakout room and then would actually just be talking about that in terms of the work, where they're up to with their assignments and so on. In the past, what we have done is in assignments would we'll deliver first and then you just give students towards the end time to carry on with the assignment. But this time, the ch- with these challenges, we've broken it down in terms of let's do chunks and chunks of the work. Task one, we break it even further and make sure that those pieces of work are actually done. But some students would struggle with motivation, some because they're on their own. And some students would really just be overwhelmed with everything. So when it's broken down and then you can go say, okay, we've completed this piece, let's tick. We've completed this, let's do that. And just going doing one-to-ones like that. That's what I've done. I've also had situations where I've had to call students on at their houses just say okay what's happening i have not heard from you for some time do you want to chat do you want to talk about what's happening and so on because some of them get distracted in terms of because they're doing computers and i think media also will be the same playing Mm -hmm. computer games too very late and they're tired in the class (laughs) So just checking on them to say okay so what's happening why can we change that routine that you're having can we have a proper routine which you can actually manage so that's what i've been doing for this time with our SEN students.
0: Yeah, and they actually sound like really, really good ideas. So you you're already developing again the transferable skills, being able to use a list and check off. And then you're saying that you know sleep hygiene is something that we all need to make sure that we've got good on and it sounds like you, you're teaching them those skills to be able to adapt their routine. But I do specifically like the breakout room idea, and um, that's probably something that other people might be able to take advantage of as well. Katie, are you are you doing anything different by any chance?
1: Um, we we've got the situation with some of our some of our send learners um, have thrived in this online environment. Um, we have. In media and animation games, we have quite a few students who um, have sort of personal social communication, maybe issues um, like autism spectrum condition students and things like that. Um, And in their personal lives, a lot of their social interaction involves using online um, communication. So they might use Discord when they're playing games and things like that. So they've found transference into using a system like Teams, which is set up very similarly in the in the culture of communication to something like Discord. They kind of have taken it to it like ducks to water and uh-huh. they, they, you know, they're they're active in chat, they're active using reaction emojis and at and tagging each other and things like that. So some of our learners, uh, our SEM learners have, have have really kind of jumped into the online world and kind of flourished. Uh-huh. Um some have found it really hard. Um, particularly those who are very very um, active with our support teams so I have lots of learners who receive high needs learners who receive in-class support and the disconnect from both their tutor and their support worker they've they've found quite hard so those learners in particular we've prioritized getting them back into campus um, as part of our, our vulnerable learners groups and so I've got several learners who've been attending campus throughout throughout the whole um lockdown and going into a classroom on campus with their support worker to attend my online lessons which has been brilliant our support team have been unbelievable during this difficult situation Mm -hmm. um and then to extend the communication between myself the support team and the learner we've created chat groups Uh so we've used the chat feature and created like a student's name support chat group that involves myself, any other curriculum tutors and the support workers that would normally support that student. So instead of the student messaging me one-to-one to ask for any clarification and then messaging the other curriculum tutor one-to-one and then the support worker we're all involved in that conversation with that learner and
0: yes. um,
1: yes. so that if a learner messages me and sort of says oh, I don't know what to do with this task or whatever the support worker is also involved in that conversation so that we can kind of all sort of discuss maybe helping the learner overcome that particular barrier or just so that the support worker can see what I've typed in chat so then the next time they meet that learner they can sort of say oh did you manage how did you get on with that task that you were talking to Katie about on Tuesday or whatever it is so we've used the chat feature a lot as an extension of that Um, and then our support team have been really good at kind of texting the students and things to sort of remind them about their routine routine as lily said has been has been quite a tricky one you know when you're not having to get up and get out to get to college the the the, the sleep hygiene the staying up late gaming kind of creeping um and and sort of affect learning sleeping patterns so yeah that's been quite the support team have been amazing job without them (laughs) to be perfectly honest
0: It really sounds like it. And I do, I like this idea of the chat groups. Do you think this is something that you would continue to adapt or improve or keep going with, you know, when I say when, if and when we do go back to complete face to face delivery? um, is Is that
1: something you think you might continue with? Definitely, I think I've forgot there's loads of things I think that I'll I'll continue using and taking from this online world back into face-to-face delivery. And um, Teams is definitely one of them. I mean, I've had had learners in the past and, and current learners who can't do a full day in college, they may be on a flexible timetable. So whilst their class might be in college all day, they maybe only come in for the morning and go home at lunchtime. And so you can you can really use Teams as an extension of your classroom. Um learners that maybe have um a medical condition that means that that you know their absence instances of absence are higher than than um their peers you you don't have to suddenly just jump into oh I'll i'll put something on moodle and we'll have an email conversation if you're going to not be in class they can join the lesson remotely Absolutely. Um, so um yeah i think the 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 keeping the chat is just so much more organic than pro monitor comments because everyone Mm. you know can see the conversation whereas mm-hmm. obviously you used for recording slightly you know more serious things or or, or se- um, awarding celebrations the, the chat is just an extension of your classroom it just becomes you know a digital version of that and the chat feature is really good because you've got a record of it as well you know you've got it in writing yeah. um, obviously you can do a phone call and things like that if you need to but you can the student can go back and scroll back through the conversation to double check what you said two days ago so um you're giving them sort of more accessibility features I suppose by extending your classroom-based practice onto a digital platform um which has just kind of happened naturally but when you look at it you think you know what if my student's um, personal learning plan says that they need instructions written down to supplement their their classroom-based learning you'd normally say you checklists but chat mm-hmm. You know, by itself, you don't have to sit and do a spe- specific accommodation for that learner because it's it's happening organically in, in chat. and and some of the learners have really found that really beneficial, definitely.
0: That's so true, Katie, and that's a really valid point. Um <clears throat> can I just ask Lily, is there anything that you've done as well, you know, throughout all this that you might continue with? Because you mentioned about the use of um different um access traditional access and using sites without licenses like oracle is this something that you might continue with or is there other practices that you've just not mentioned what What are your thoughts on that lily
2: yes there are quite a number of things that i would actually continue doing especially in terms of the accessibility of software in the past i think we've had students having to come on campus to do the homework but i would want to continue where they can use these web based or browser-based software at the same time and being able to use whatever the traditional or the market standards are in terms of the software so i would want to continue using that because there are quite a number of all these types of software coming on the market which are actually going to be used so i would continue with that the other thing is also as Katie it rightly, I think Teams has been really great where mm-hmm. you can have people chatting. Because I found some of the students, they might find it easier to communicate with us on Teams than to give a call and anything. So they would just type in, oh, are you in? Can you give me a call? Can you do this? For mm-hmm. them, because I think they are these digital natives, they would want to be just doing the typing itself instead of calling on the phone. So yeah. I would want to continue using that platform for communication. And also, I think the other thing that I would also want to look at is in terms of the delivery itself, in terms of the content, how we can actually split it. Because I think when we're giving assignments and then you have the whole big assignment to say, okay, the delivery has been done, you've facilitated the learning itself, and then now you go on and carry on with your assignment. But we find that not many students are able to manage their time. And I think in the past we've had non-submissions or late submissions because students not being able to manage their time where you think okay everything has been done so what's stopping you from achieving I think this has now taught me I think we need to be breaking things even further into smaller chunks for them to be able to, to achieve and yeah those are my I mean, takeaways
0: that's That's actually really valid what you've just said, because you you did mention that they've completed your HE students in in fact has actually completed for this academic year. Is that reflective of their a, a, a change in the time management, the way that you've delivered, do you think? Or what, what, what's come about with that? Why why has that happened? Because is that the first time, Lily? Tell me a little bit more, please. Yeah, for, for our HN students, the HNC is
2: the first ones. First year, normally we have a very poor pass rate, well, a low pass rate in terms of achievement and so on. So we find that we've not been able to get them all to submit work on time. So, we would want to attribute there might be other factors, but mm-hmm. that one is one of the things that we would at least think made them all able to submit work on time and also submit good work that they actually passed that and is that so,
0: because is it was it chunking?
2: What what it was what, chunking, what did, it was chunking, right. yes. Okay. It was more chunking. Okay. It was more in terms of okay, we've chunked this, submit it and they can they could see the progress because in the past, when they've not chunked it, they'll only see the achievement when they've submitted everything and we grade it. So here we've been chunking it and grading it at the same time. Right. So oh, they right. know that, OK, at least I've now got a P1. Now can I continue to the P2? or oh, my P2 is already in the bag. So as they are accumulating that, we've not been doing that much with the HE students. Mm hmm. We've been doing that with FE students where you say, okay, a task has been achieved, so you've got so many tasks and so on. But HE students, we just thought, okay, they are adults, they'll manage their time. And because these are traditionally students who have progressed from our FE to HE, so they're used to that way of working. So we have had to go back into that type of working where we are chunking things and you grade it the same time. So you, they submit the work, you grade it, And that's a boost for them for their motivation to say, okay, I've done well, or I just need a little bit of improvement on this. Yeah, well, yes,
0: that makes sense. Thank you so much. Right. So we're nearly to um, the point of completion, ladies. You've told me everything, but I'm just going to tease out one last thing. Kate, can you possibly share one top tip or one or two, one or two. Top tip for your
1: colleagues trying to support students remotely: go. Um, I think my top tip is just be flexible, be as flexible as possible. Listen to your learners, talk to them about the way they'd like to do things, research, and um, um, so that you can be flexible too. Um, and I've I found I know this is probably extending it past the one or two tips, but I found um, Edgy Twitter um and online sort of communities of teachers and creatives animators to be really beneficial with trying to find out new ways of doing things and being flexible um and my other top tip is still try and have fun with your students um sort of all the little in-class jokes that you have to build you know relationships with them and stuff we my students love a good GIF, so we've kind of built a bit of a culture around sort of using GIFs and emojis in the chat to sort of have a bit of a laugh with each other still um, and yeah, yeah. my colleague Lenny, he's a fan of the changing backgrounds on teams. You know, he's got yeah. snowy landscape, an underground bunker. He sometimes wears like accessories to kind of help <laughs> enhance the the experience of his background. He was in a cave with a head torch on in one lesson, and, and <laughs> students <just, just, just laughs> find that really funny. And, and it kind of gets your personality across them, and they share similar jokes with you and things. So, yeah, be flexible and have fun are my two top tips, I reckon.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. Lily, can you share? Have you got top tips for us, please?
2: Yes, very similar to what Katie just says, being flexible. I think, especially for the adult students, we really need to be very flexible and understand that they are also having to deal with school uh, teaching their kids at home and everyone else is in the house so they will have distractions so we need to be flexible and accommodating in terms of their situation what is happening in their background in in their houses and yes I do love a good sense of humour so yes some few jokes there and there so yeah the students will interact much better when people are more relaxed and there's some humour throwing around going around
0: absolutely yeah we just need to be relaxed online and just you know it's difficult being away from each other but there is still ways that we can uh, connect and it sounds like throughout all of the time with your students from day dot that's what you've both been working on can i just say a huge thank you to you both for taking the time out of your unbelievably Busy schedule to share your valuable approaches to um, how you support our students, both for FE and HE. You've given us so much food for thought there. Thank you very much, Catherine, Catherine, Katie, and Lily. Thank you for having us. You. You've been listening to EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy. All music and song was written by Alistair Rain. Our fabulous singer is our music student Lily Hartley. Rick Longdon is on the piano and Rosie Fortune is our producer. Catch us next time on EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy. Now you've seen
1: what the-